Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. By day, our guest is overseeing the COVID-19 testing in the U.S. She's the vice president for Laboratory Corporation of America. By night, she is the founder of Mother's Grace, which is a nonprofit organization that has raised more than $5 million for families in acute crisis, assisting more than 6,000 mothers in the U.S. Today, Michelle Moore will share with us her own story and what led her to start up Mother's Grace. She'll also tell us about a new book that she's released. That's today on Connections. We're joined today by Michelle Moore. She is the Vice President of Laboratory Corporation of America, and she's also the founder of a nonprofit organization called Mother's Grace. You oversee, during the day, COVID testing which is while we're talking about nowadays. Um, but by night, you're also the founder of a nonprofit organization. Tell us a little bit about your story and what got you to where you are today. So um, about 12 years ago, um, well, let me back up a little bit. So uh, when I was five, I lost my mother. She died suddenly from um, a congenital heart defect. And um, so from from age five, I always had this kind of secret yearning for connecting with other mothers and hearing their story and connecting at that level since I had been through so much grief um, from losing my own. So um, fast forward, went to college, graduate school, um, went into business, went to work for LabCorp right after graduate school and got very involved in diagnostics. And, but there was always this little part of me that wanted to do something more um, on a human level, a human connection level. And I was called to do different things. Um, you know, when my kids were young, the first thing I, I, I wanted to do was <clears throat> when we were watching TV and when Hurricane Katrina hit in New Orleans, and I had this odd calling to pick up my young, my oldest son at the time who was in fourth grade and go down there and clean up houses. I don't know why I never had done anything like it before, but I had this calling to do it. And so that was the start of the journey of connecting with other mothers. I connected with Connie Udo down there, who is the first chapter in my book. And from there, um, a couple of years later, I went to Africa. Um, and I just started wanting to do these philanthropic things on site, connecting with other mothers. Then in 2008, everything became full circle. I mean, it's really a divine story. Um, after working with mothers and losing my own mom and being very fearful of that whole um, scenario of, uh, you know, leaving your children, I was diagnosed with a really aggressive form of breast cancer. I was 41 at the time and I had three young boys and um, we didn't know what the prognosis would be. It was very, uh, one of the most aggressive types you can get. And, um, within a week I was planning surgery and chemotherapy. And then about 10 days later, the night before my first chemo appointment, my middle son, who was seven at the time was acting very strangely and, um, being in diagnostics, I took him immediately to the pediatrician thinking I wouldn't have so much time to do this when I'm undergoing chemo. And he was rushed immediately to Phoenix Children's Hospital and diagnosed um, in, in ketosis almost, nearly died and diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. So we spent the next year going, me, I had full chemo for the next year and teaching my seven-year-old how to be insulin dependent. 
and, uh, you know, learning how to have to take insulin, even when he put a potato chip in his mouth. And it was really the most unbelievable year of medical nightmare and fear and anxiety, especially from someone that had had their young life disrupted so, so intensely. So um, after all of that, I kind of got sick of just all of the noise about that and just wanted to get out of sight of my own head. And I felt like we could start a charity um, that involved helping moms in a very acute situation, not chronic, but acute, something where they are completely thrown off their game. Like I was, they're otherwise, you know, working members of the community and, and very involved. And they're the moms we consider backbones of the family. And all of a sudden these nightmare things happen to them. Tra- tragic things happen. And they're just re- looking up and praying and they need an answer to a prayer. And we think mother's grace can give you thousands of examples where people have nominated these moms for support and we are able to come in and um, just ease their burden for 30 to 60 days. So that's really the backstory. Michelle, can you tell us a little bit more about Mother's Grace and how your organization is helping mothers across the U.S.? Sure. So when we started Mother's Grace 12 years ago, we started it on a shoestring grassroots budget of $2,000 that we raised at a garage sale. And today, 12 years later, we're a million-dollar organization with 11 board members that are all volunteers, and they're moms that are um, professionals in some right, and that they can bring one of their skills and be part of a jigsaw puzzle of this board that helps other mothers. And the way we do that is someone um, will nominate a mom for aid that's going through something, either someone um, in their medical community or word of mouth. It's really become a big word of mouth um, scenario. So an application comes in and we immediately have vetters on the board within the medical community. We have a couple of doctors and um, myself who works in diagnostics and we vet these within 48 hours and send them to the board electronically and through Google Docs with explanations where they can ask questions and we vote on them all electronically. And then we disperse support, whether it be, I mean, it it could be the gamut of um, paying their mortgage for a month. So it loosens up cash for other things. Unfortunately, we have lots of situations where there's terminal illness and they want to take a trip together as a family. We just had one of those this week where a mom, young mom had stage four glioblastoma, uh, 33 years old with two young children. And they wanted to go to Disneyland before, um, it was too late. So we were able to pay for something like that. Um, we do just a wide gamut of financing for utilities, broken down cars so they can get to the hospital, um, gift cards for medications. And then we do a whole host of other services with our hundred plus volunteers. We, um, if there's a mom going through something 30, 60 days, we'll make, uh, a, a meal train list. And we have volunteers that will prepare meals and deliver them for up to 60 days. We also have volunteers that will drive to appointments that will watch children while they're at the hospital with maybe another child. We've had volunteers clean up yards. I mean, we just do a lot of things to brighten a mom's life for a short period of time and be an answer to a prayer. Michelle, you've been through so much. What role did faith play through all of this? I love that question. (laughs) I think that's my favorite question. Um, So I grew up um, 
in a very Christian family, a Catholic family. And uh, it was always part of my life, always. Um, and, and as I think most of us go through intense phases of that spirituality, and then sometimes we'll fall away and have to come back and get in a regular um, habitual uh, you know, worship um, practice. So I think, I believe that all of this was a divine path for me. And if I quieted my mind, all of that came through in a very divine way. So through prayer and meditation, um, you know, really just bringing me back to what the plan was for me and listening to that and not trying to control any outcome, which is, is really hard for type A moms. Right. So, um, I think it's, it developed me even further in a way of letting go, which is true faith. Faith, I mean, we can, we can walk all different types of faith through our life and, and pray and meditate and do good things. But the true faith is absolutely in letting go. And that is a practice I work on every day and try to strengthen. And that was paramount to this process. How do we as mothers, as parents out there, do this and get rid of that feeling? That's a great question, right? I mean, I get asked that all the time. Um, Let's say, I mean, there's, there's probably three ways that I work on that. Um, um, For sure. It's meditation. Um, There's all different types of meditation spirit. I mean, there's apps that you can use. There's um, mantras that you can use. For me, I pray the rosary. And to me, it's like repeating something over and over. So when those thoughts come in that you're trying to control, you're letting them go with a mantra. And that's a practice. And just like anything else, like if I was learning golf, I'm not going to be good at it every day. But the more I practice it, it becomes a habit. So it's training your brain to think of things differently. When I go to bed at night, there's a lot of things on my mind, just as I know there are for mothers across the board you know, my kids that are away at college, did they eat well? Uh, do they have COVID? You know, do they, um, when, are they, when are they coming home next? Is their laundry clean? Um, am I going to have my presentation ready for work tomorrow? Is my dog is sick? All of those things are on us when we about ready to lay down and go to bed. The one thing that I have really done differently is in that moment, every single night saying, okay, nothing I can do about this tonight. God is on watch. He is going to take these things and I can just let go and go to sleep. And that is a practice that I work on every single night. I think that, I I think habitual practice is the only way. Last night I I was laying in bed and I, um, I have two away at college and I have a 11 year old Springer Spaniel that's really ill with, with cancer. And I knew I had actually a 4.30 AM East coast call. And then this call and, um, all this was going on last night, every bit of it. And there was a problem with the book uh, distribution and all this was going on. And it was so much, it's like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I think in that moment, grabbing something that, that is um, a, uh, a symbol of your spirituality, whatever that is. I mean, some people use mala beads for me. I grabbed my rosary last night. It's a symbol that I could take all of that worry and put into that and say, Okay, God is in charge of my life. Me thinking about this tonight changes nothing. 
She lost her mom when she was just five years old. She dealt with an aggressive form of breast cancer and survived. And at the same time, while dealing with that, she also dealt with her son dealing with near-fatal complications from juvenile diabetes. And most recently, our guest today, Michelle Moore, has dealt with a COVID-19 diagnosis. I did. <laughs> Tell us about that experience because that's a whole other world of fear that everyone listening is dealing with. Uh, tell us what that experience was like and how you managed to get through everything else that's gone on in your life and then now deal with COVID-19. Oh, another great question. So when, you know, working in diagnostics, I talk about COVID 24 seven. So you would think I would, it would be on the top of my um, mental playlist. But um, as I mentioned, I have three boys and my second son is immune compromised and he's a juvenile diabetic and the one that you definitely don't want to get COVID. And it was in my mind constantly. So when this all started happening, we were wearing masks and, and Purelling everything and ordering our groceries online and not going anywhere. And my middle son did come home from college and I kept him in the house and he was a mess because he's also my most social child. So we did really, really well. And I kept telling everybody in the world, I'm not going to let him get it. So um, then our state reopened, um, I guess it was June and we started lifting some of the restrictions, um, which, you know, I think here's the thing. I think you can't judge people on anything right now because it's an evolving merry-go-round of information. Things change every day. So it is what it is. They reopened and my middle son who had been cooped up for March, April, May, I let him start seeing his friends and, um, he, uh, came down with symptoms, flu-like symptoms. And I, um, he, he woke up one morning and he yelled down from upstairs and he said, Hey mom, I don't feel well. So I think I'm going to quarantine. So he was in his bedroom for four days and I left things outside his door. He was sick. Like he had the flu, but I really didn't think it was COVID. I don't know why. Um, so I actually, but I actually gave him a test, um, since I work for LabCorp, I had a test and I gave him a test and it came out negative. So at that point I, um, opened up the house. I was like, okay, well, by that Sunday I came down with symptoms and I actually became intensely ill. Um, I, I, uh, was in bed for 14 days, delirious wow. really. Um, and I had all the symptoms except the most worrisome, which is having it go into your chest and lungs, but I had body aches that I could never describe to anybody. I felt near death with those, nothing that Advil or Tylenol could touch, um, low grade fever, lost my sense of taste and just exhausted. So, um, that was, <laughs> that's when, you know what, here's a, a, a wonderful thing at that moment. Um, I'm a single mother. My friends and my network of mother's grace came in and just took over. They, they just texted me, said, Hey, this person's bringing you food. It will be at your doorstep at four o'clock so that I could feed my children. And I didn't feel much like eating, but they were so great. They even went as far as saying, I'm going to cut up every kind of fruit because I hadn't, didn't have any taste. So I didn't want to eat anything. They're like, we're going to, at least you can feel cold fruit in your mouth. So, I mean, it was just, it was a blessing that part, but fear and anxiety. Yeah. Being someone that had dealt with serious illness before I was scared to death. But again, I would lay there and just let God be in charge. There's just nothing I could do. Nothing. It, it, and those are the cases. Like we're going, we're so used to 
doing everything we can, 110% as mothers. But that's why it's so contradictory, contradictory that we have to let go in this other case, but it really does work. And it, it gives you an amazing balance in your life. Now, tell us what led you to write your book. Um, so as I mentioned, my mom passed when I was five and that was a significant episode in my life and very defining. Um, again, my second child, the one that had diabetes when he was born 20 years ago, um, he was a difficult birth. And, um, afterwards I, I didn't get much sleep. So about two weeks after I, uh, two weeks after I had him, I ended up going to the spa for a day for a massage and just to try to get some relaxation. And I fell asleep on the massage table and uh, <laughs> funny story, but I fell asleep on the massage table and they couldn't even wake me up. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but when I woke up, I had this amazing dream to write a book called a mother's prayer. That was what it was at the time. And I'm not a writer. I didn't write in college. That's not what it, I've never written before, but it was a divine dream that I will never forget in my life. And it, it was a, a dream that said there are so mother, so many mothers that are going through horrible situations like you, ha- that you have with your own mother. I hadn't had cancer yet. And um, so start working on it. So I got this little red notebook and I just started taking notes over the next few years. And I started talking to moms that had the same fears I did. And it started just, you know, coalescing. And then, um, that's when I went to New Orleans and then Africa and I really started connecting with moms and it grew and grew and I knew there was something there, but when it really came full circle is when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2008, it was like, well, I always wanted to help these moms and you, you come, you come from that support or that philanthropic effort from the top down, like, okay, here, here's a check for your, you know, for the charity or here I can help you by bringing you a meal. But when it happens to you and comes full circle, you really know what it's like. And then you come from the bottom up saying, here, I'm, I'm here to prop you up and support you because I know what it feels like. So the, the book came to fruition after 20 years, after I actualized what it was like to be that person that goes through those things. And that's, and I still believe it is a divine journey from the moment that my, that my mom passed um, and that yearning for mothers to the point where I had a child and I felt anxiety and I had the dream. And then thirdly, you know, meeting these other mothers along my philanthropic journey. And then finally it came full circle when it happened to me. So that's, that's how I feel. And now that book is out there. What kind of response are you getting from people who have had the opportunity to read it? Really good response. Um, it, it launched only yesterday on Amazon. Um, but I did send it to several people to pre-read and uh, getting a really, really good response from it. And um, I think I think the thing that's been really interesting to me is <laughs> I had a couple people said they read it. Th- th- these are the responses. It's either, oh my gosh, I want to go out and do the thing I've always thought of doing because um, these moms have been, are, have inspiring stories to tell. They're regular people like you and me. They're mothers. They're drive carpools. They go to soccer matches. They maybe sell, you know, skincare on the side. I don't know. They have, they're regular people, but, um, they have done something with their lives that impact not just their own lives, but a community of sorts. So I think they, 
one thing they say is, oh my gosh, I need to go do these things that I want to do, that I've always wanted to do. It seems like if they can do it, I can do it. Who do you hope will pick up this book and what do you hope they'll take away from it? I hope moms everywhere, just moms will pick this up because it will help us feel like a sorority of sorts. I mean, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, what race, what religion, what education level, what we all have in common is, is motherhood and how much we love our children and what we want for them going forward, especially when we look at the times we are in now, what we want. And it, and I hope they look at that and feel this camaraderie and that they can do one thing to one little thing to touch someone else's life that can that change a whole trajectory of, of, of someone's life and that community's life. I hope that because that's the message. For people who want to learn more about you or about your book, how can they go about doing that? So the book is um, available on Amazon, A Mother's Grace, Healing the World One Woman at a Time. It is orderable now. Um, you can also go on the Mother's Grace website. It's mothers-grace.org. And probably the best thing is to do is to follow us on Facebook. We we post articles on there constantly. We're highlighting each of the moms. We, t- we talk about other moms that are going through stuff on the Facebook site. So I think those are the three best things. And for that mom that's out there, and especially now, like you said, while we're dealing with COVID-19 and that added fear, even for your for your own children in your own life, thinking like, why did I bring children into this world during this very scary time? Um, what would you say to those moms out there? That made me um, feel really emotional when you said that. I think all of us feel that way. It's so uh, just scary right now. Um, I would say two things. Use this opportunity to get closer to your children and talk to them and pray with them. It is a time where we have a little extra time to do things that enhance our spirituality. Um, and, And we all need that. That's the one thing we need. It's the one thing that we can say that we have right now. So that's what I would do. Those are some encouraging words. Thanks so much for joining us today, Michelle. Don't forget, you can listen to the full episodes on your radio station in the morning as well as in the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.